Hello and welcome back to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast with Brant Pasalakwa, founder of the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation School. In this podcast, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's dive into the show. Question today is what is practice and what should our practice look like? And we'll think about that a little bit in the context of uh, being a successful meditation teacher. One definition of personal practice would be a commitment to creating the space to evolve ourselves, commitment to creating space to evolve ourselves. And in that space, we practice techniques often, um, but the goal is that they somehow lead us to a greater understanding of ourselves and the world we live in. So a personal practice is is personal. Um, It addresses the unique nature of ourselves. And at the same time, it's guided by a greater viewpoint or a set of teachings. And it's this balancing of the personal and universal that's the key to a successful practice. The balancing of the personal and the universal. We're all going to take a breath and like, let that, let those ideas sink, the balance of those two things. Ideally, eventually they become one thing, but for most of the ride we're on, there's two things, (laughs) right? Sort of floating through our awareness. So what's the personal? I'm a person, I'm a human, I have this body and all the things that might entail for us. Even in something as simple as sitting in meditation, you know, what unique challenges, superpowers does my body have that I can do this practice? Yoga, asana was kind of invented for this purpose to allow us to meditate. And of course, we have our experiences and all the things from our past that have brought us to this point. This is all personal to each and every one of us. We have some universal experiences, but really when if you step back and think about how you perceive them, they're, they're personal, right? Your family of origin, the way you grew up, all the ways in which your childhood informs you, makes you who you are today, all the things that you've had to do to work through the difficult parts of any of that, all of our strengths and weaknesses often come from these past experiences. Of course, in some traditions, it's looked at as as we are going to free ourselves from all of those, which is a great idea. Um, but also, along the along the way, we have to really understand what they are. Um, and what makes us unique because of them. And then we have our thoughts. So we have our experiences and the thoughts about them, but we have these thoughts driven by those experiences. It's also driven by the body and driven even by the present, even in meditation. So we have our thoughts. And of course, there's lots of things that are similar about our thoughts as humans, but 
but we all have our own spin on that that filter. Our thoughts have a kind of personalized um, stamp on them. There's even our personality affects our thoughts. And, and with all that, we have our current present life circumstances. So what do we have to do every day to survive? Who do we take care of, including ourselves? Do we have some illnesses or things we're struggling with personally that need to be tended to? So when some people think about sort of personal practice and the meditation teachings and we read the texts and, and the instructions, there's a, there's a lot of universal, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, <clears throat> but what a meditation teacher really does uh, for somebody is help them sort of blend, you know, these, these bigger teachings into some sort of personal package that suits the individual. And today we're our own meditation teacher. <laughs> so today we have to take all these into consideration when we think about our own personal practice and what that looks like. In yoga teachings, there are these kind of concepts are, are addressed in these ideas of karma is how our past actions and experiences affect us presently. And uh, dharma, which is like, what is the life path that we're supposed to be on in order to become more self-realized and know ourselves more? So I've always loved the way it's built into those teachings. And this is all personal. Nobody has the same dharma. No two people, no two people have the same karma you know, just like fingerprints or snowflakes, like we mentioned last time, we're all different. So we're going to have to have all that in our space when we're thinking about what is the practice that would be most beneficial for us right now. We could even take a moment now and kind of say to ourselves, hey, what is my meditation practice? And in what ways am I considering all these things for myself when I put it together? The amount of time I spend meditating, the practices, even being in this course, right? Maybe part of your dharma <laughs> and karma, right? To be here um, learning about this. And then we have uh, the universal part of our practice. And there's messaging in there that we're part of something bigger and all-encompassing that is unending. Also that we have similarities as people that bind us together and give us common experiences. So there's something larger than us, and there's something similar about all people. And in a way, we meditate to get some access to that. Another word would be awareness. Another word would be understanding. Another word would be a felt sense of these things. And some words we might use, and there are so many, are truth honesty or transparency, maybe love is a word we might use, or the concept of the present moment. These are universal possibilities, experiences, and words that remind us of this thing that's not personal. If our practice is going well, <laughs> um, or if you wanted a goal, one goal might be that our practice allows us to see the universal and the personal more clearly, which allows us 
to then evolve and realize ourselves. So the practice allows us to see these two aspects more clearly. Not one of them, but both of them. We will deeply integrate this concept into our thinking that both the universal and personal matter. And to understand it enough and to be a meditation teacher, we must be on this kind of path where we're trying to balance their t- these two areas. And the method we'll be studying and the sort of viewpoint we'll be studying um, has this in mind. So when I when I put together the method, which is based on teachings, um, this was the main thing, like how do we how do we do these two things? So part one is developing the capacity to be present and content, the capacity to do so. It's a shift in uh, in our state that allows us to be in the present moment and have that awareness. In some Buddhist traditions, it's called a tranquility state, and it's translated, which is a lovely word. So can we sit in a way with a technique that works for us in a personal way that allows us to kind of drop in and be present and tranquil and have a felt sense of that experience? Each person might describe that felt sense in a slightly different way, but what's important is that they get there, (laughs) whatever that means to them based on all these things we were just talking about. And then we have another section um, that's based on pranic awareness. So prana is like this energetic sense we have. The reason that this energetic or pranic concept is important is because that energy connects us all. Um, And there's a lot of power there and a lot to be gained by cultivating it, our pranic awareness. And it helps us have felt experiences of the present. And also, it expands the mind's awareness capabilities. And I would maybe add to that more quickly than a lot of other techniques. So we have this sort of part one capacity, part of the program, uh, capacity to develop like tranquility or contentment and just be here now a little bit. And then we have this second idea of expanding our mind through chronic awareness so that our minds are on a hopefully continual um, expansion mode where our mind can see and kind of handle more and more input. And then the third part is really actively cultivating the experience of surrender, which is a key element in any evolutionary practice. It doesn't matter what tradition you're looking at. There's always this piece of being able to let go of the personal mind and letting that influence how we individually see things. So we we take our individual and we actively surrender it to the universal. And in some traditions, this is a this is the only practice. <laughs> you know, you could certainly take that concept and run with it forever and uh, do very well in terms of spiritual practice, in my opinion. Um, 
but it's easier with the first two parts. It, it's more effective. And if you look at the sort of three pieces, you know, as a not a linear thing, like level one, level two, and level three, but more like three things we can cultivate to move us more towards our greatest, most expansive understanding of ourselves. Um, that's probably the best way to look at it. And the commitment of a meditation teacher is to really simply be in this process. So to practice enough to see the world through a widened perspective at times uh, so that we can help others do the same. And all the great teachings and teachers and texts point us towards a way to help us do this. Um, they orient us to this way of thinking. And I would offer that there's no precise formula for this, um, but it does require a regular, a commitment to a regular meditation practice um, so that the mind can be still and can be trained a little bit to work at its fullest potential and be in a situation where it doesn't get lost in a limited perspective. And of course, it's hard not to judge ourselves in our progress as like really, you know, <laughs> who starts a task saying, it doesn't matter how this ends up, even though those are the teachings. Nobody really does that. You know, we don't mow the lawn that way or wash dishes that way, or even take like a meditation training in that way. We all have like some sort of goal or plan or an idea, at least. If our personal practice is, is working well, it's going to be helping us fuse the different parts of our mind and awarenesses so that we can hold the goal of these like linear kind of goal-oriented parts with the universal present non-goal-oriented parts. And different teachings have, uh, you know, different ways of looking at this. Patanjali in the Yoga Sutras outlines like a kind of linear path towards this, which is really useful. Um, in so many ways. Um, Vasugupta, who wrote the Spandarakita, shows us a nonlinear approach to get to the same place. So like they're philosophically in some ways totally different, um, but they're not really different, despite what all the um, arguers of the world might tell us, <laughs> right? Every teaching has a useful viewpoint and they're all trying to get us to understand a universal truth and have us do that in the context of understanding our our personal spiritual nature. So it's always in there somewhere. So in terms of our ourselves and our practice, what are we going to ask of ourselves, right? What do we ask of ourselves with all this in mind, <laughs> right? In terms of having a personal practice, some ideas that I just like to put in our heads at the beginning of this training is it should be systematic in some way, right? There's some sort of plan and something for us to lead on. It's hard to do anything without that. Should probably be informed by teachings and teachers, people who have, uh, you know, maybe more experience than us. You know, we're going down a path that they've been and we can see that we might be going in the right direction. But with that said, it should also be viewed as like a living, breathing thing that can change. You know, your practice is like, like any living thing, it, it changes and evolves with time. Those systems that we develop should change as time goes on. 
even the teachings that we're gravitating towards or the aspects of the teachings will change. Our viewpoint of those teachings will change. <laughs> right? Our understanding of those teachings will change and look totally different. If we're more of the uh, orientation, like we like things to be the same all the time, we're going to have to you know, keep in mind that that's maybe not exactly how it's going to go <laughs> and just prepare our minds for that so that uh, we can be more successful. And if we do this, we'll be, we, we will become more self-realized. We'll have a greater connection to all of nature in a universal way. And that also includes the, the people around us and the spaces in which we, we live and dwell. It's nice to remember we never be smarter or better or more involved from our practice than other people because there's no such thing because um, in a way we're all the same <laughs> doing this thing. So it's it's definitely about personal evolution, but we can use our experience as a vehicle to understand others a little bit more and to help them in their process. That's our goal in terms of helping other people is just to really use those nuances in our understanding of ourselves to help somebody along that same path. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review our show and help us share yoga therapy with more people around the world. If you think this episode will help someone you know, feel free to share it with them. If you love yoga therapy and meditation, you can follow us over on Instagram at breathingdeeplyyoga, where we share anything and everything to help you advance your understanding of yoga therapy and meditation. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com. See you in the next episode.